for a few moments tonight, the book of Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. I'm thankful that Wednesday night is still important to you because it is important to me and I believe it's important to God. I do know that every day is important to God, but I do believe that Scripture meant what it said when we should not forsake the assemblings of ourselves together and so much the more as you see that day approaching. I'm glad that you're here tonight. Matthew chapter 21, verse number 12. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. And when the chief priest and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were sore displeased. And he and said unto him, Hearest thou what these say? Jesus said unto them, Yea, have you never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected, thou hast ordained for a few moments tonight about, and everybody said amen. I want to talk to you for a few moments tonight about a church that pleases God. Amen. A church and being a church that pleases God. You may be seated. Thank you for standing in honor of the Word of God. I am, I am very interested tonight in what matters to Him. I sometimes think that we do not take that as often in consideration as we ought to. And we tend to make church more about us and our comfort zone and our comfort level. But I'm interested in what God is interested in. And I am interested in being attracted to what pleases Him. I, I, I know that we want others to be happy with us and we certainly ought to live in a manner that people dread us coming around. But at the same time, I am more concerned and more interested in what pleases him than just what pleases me or us. And I believe it is important that we examine ourselves uh more often than we do, but more often as the days approach to ensure that we're living up to our purpose and to our calling. I think it is a sad but true fact that far too many times in life it becomes easy uh, 
to get comfortable with dysfunction. We get, and by dysfunction, I mean things that are not working as they ought to work. How many times do we grow accustomed to seeing that stain on the carpet? Or we get adjusted to the squeak in the door or whatever doesn't work in the house and somehow we find a way to either ignore it or overlook it or forget about it. The faucet that drips and all those other things that happen in life. And we adjust our lives to where that doesn't bother us. It doesn't it doesn't get our attention like it once was. I, I've, I've told you this before, but I I want to remind you that it is possible that we could become so accustomed to hearing certain sounds that they lose their effect on us. I lived one time in the path of uh, one of the flight patterns of... of uh, Intercontinental Airport. And I remember when we first moved in there, the first day when that big old jumbo jet rumbled over our house and the, and the, the, the windows literally shook. I thought, Oh my Lord, we have made a mistake. But it's amazing how in such a short period of time, those jets came in and went out and I didn't even realize they were coming in and going out because you have a filter, everybody, everybody, say everybody, that means me. You have a filter at the base of your brain that works in a unique way and you become things that you don't want to hear or the things that you become, uh, that, that become common if you hear um, the sound often enough. That's That's probably why a man can... <clears throat> not hear what his wife is saying. <laughs> it's also probably why she can't hear what he's saying too, but we don't ever talk about that. But we all are geared to uh, eliminating from us what we are accustomed to hearing and we become familiar and things that become familiar uh, sometimes lose their uh, their the impact that they should have on us. And as a church, it is possible for us to get settled in our life and to fail to ask certain questions that I believe that are important to us. And I think they're important to us tonight. Is this the way things should be done? Is this, is this what God wants from us? Is this something that's going to please God? I think those are questions that we don't often ask or we don't ask enough, but I think it behooves all of us to ever so often stop and ask, yeah, is what I'm doing honoring God? Am I bringing glory to Him. And if not, what can I do to change that? Because my number one desire and my goal is to please Him. I'd like for you to be happy. I'd like for my family to like me and be happy. But more important than whether you like me or whether everybody else in this building 
is pleased. I want him to one day be able to say to me, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. And so I think it's important that we take time ever so often to look at ourselves. And I would like for us to do that tonight as a church and and remind ourselves of the things that are priorities to him. And when we make those priorities, our priorities, something powerful will always happen. But we can ignore those things and we can have our own agenda and we may go so far, but we'll never reach the potential that God designed for us to reach. And if we're not careful, you and I can get so used to things being as they are that we fail to consider that they may not be pleasing to him. They may not be what he wants and what he desires. And I believe that it is essential for all of us to always be asking, what would Jesus think if he walked into my heart right now? What would he think if he walked into this church tonight? Would he be pleased with what he has seen? And would he be pleased with what he has heard And would he be pleased with the things that we have made priorities in our life? I think that is so important tonight. The temple that Jesus walked into that day was in a severely dysfunctional state. It had drifted so far away from its intended and it could be in the state of that It was hard to realize that it could be in the state it was. Things were going on there in the temple that were not supposed to be going. They were not intended to be a part of the temple process. It was, to say the least, a spiritually unhealthy environment. It was a toxic environment and... To a large degree, the temple worship had moved from being a sacrificial experience to a convenient-oriented experience. There were sacrifices that were easily available, and there was an exchanging of money for the temple tax or for the offerings that were to be brought into the house of the Lord. And They had made church a matter of convenience, not a matter of sacrifice. And services were offered that had become for profit, not his profit. They were not being done for his purpose, but for their purpose. And it had become an economic enterprise. It had become about numbers and and statistics rather than about the spiritual experience that God had intended for his house to represent. And profit had become more important than its purpose. And this was the state in which Jesus walked into. The priesthood had learned how to merchandise the sacred. Now before we become too hard on them, I think it would do us all good to re-examine 
our own lives and make sure that we're not guilty of doing the same thing. The place was being defiled by activities that were practiced there that were not pleasing to him. All that it represented had been compromised for convenience sake. And sacrifices that were to be chosen carefully and with consideration for what they represented were now readily available, blemished or no, it didn't matter. They were there, you could get them, and it made church a whole lot easier. Wouldn't it be great if... The element of sacrifice was eliminated from living for God. It'd make living for God a whole lot easier for all of us. But that element has never been eliminated and it never will be. They were of the attitude that their presence there should have been token enough for God. He should have been happy that they just showed up. Amen. Forget about the fact that they didn't think about bringing anything until the last minute and then they realize, oh, it doesn't matter. I can get that on the way. And when Jesus came in that day, he was in no mood. He was in no mood to ignore this irreverent behavior. He was in no mood to overlook their disrespect for what this place represented. And so he began to drive out the money changers and he turned over the tables and he scattered the dove and and all that was going on there and he established that place for what it was intended to be. May I remind you tonight, if you are not already aware, that God is about what goes on under the banner of his name. And we need never forget that. Church is not about us. It's not about how polished we are. It's not about how professional we are. And I'm not against any of that. But we can never allow the polish and we can never allow any of the other things that have become such a priority in the church world today to supplant what he has named as the priorities of his house. You can have all of that other stuff and not have him. But if you get hold of what I'm going to talk about tonight, you can have that and him. And that's the best part. Amen. Jesus walked in and he reminded them that he was still concerned about what happened under the banner of his name. And when he stepped into the temple that day, he stepped in for the purpose of setting things right, of putting things back in their proper order. I think that's important for us to understand that order is important to God. The way that we do things are as important as the things that we do them. Amen. You can do something right, but with the wrong attitude. You can do something right, but at the wrong time and in the wrong place. And you not benefit from what it should have produced in your life because God is a God of order. There are certain things that when you look at the Word of God, 
if you get it out of sequence or you get it out of order or you put something else in that place, you're going to miss something that God had tied into that order that he had established from the beginning. And so when Jesus stepped into the temple that day, he did so with the intention and the intent of setting the order correctly. And he purged that place. He removed all of the riffraff. He house cleaned. And then he came in and he did what should have been going on in that place. And and uh, he set the house in order. And what Jesus did, I think, was of critical importance. I think it's worth our consideration tonight that he exposed what was going on in that place that was wrong in that place. And he highlighted what was missing from that place. And he emphasized what was needed in that place, what should be going on. This is how church ought to look. This is how it ought to be. This is the order that brings the greatest blessing. And so when you read this passage, there were four things that stood out to me that were part of uh, this spiritual experience that God wanted man to have when he came to the temple. That it was not just ritual, that it was not some formality. It was not something that was to be boring or something that was just to be gone through mechanically. But there should be a spiritual experience that happens when you come to his house. Something good ought to take place when you come to the house of God. More meet a few friends or be a point of connection, there should be a spiritual uh, uh, blessing that comes to my life because I am at his house. And so he, he basically said, this is how church ought to be. This, this is the image, this is the, the vision of a healthy church, of a church that will be blessed. And that's what I want this place to be. I want it to be healthy. I know there's a lot of things that we can do that we think make it better. And it, they may if they're done in the right place and in the right spirit. But we can do all of those things and miss the important things that he says, this is what matters to me. Now, all of that other stuff may be important to you. And I'm not saying that it's not important, but these are my priorities. This is what gets my attention. This is what makes me want to pour out my blessings. And so more than having a good program to go by and more than having uh, good, good tools to use, I want to know, first of all, what is it that he set in order and how did he set it in order? Because if I do those things, the outcome is going to be a whole lot better than I even imagined. Amen. And so there are four things that are part of what I consider to be a biblically healthy church. And I want them to be a part of Greater Life Church. They should be characteristics that we live by and that we order our life by. What I noticed when I read this passage was the first thing that he did when he came in. And that was he purified the temple. He purged it of all the things that he considered 
unworthy or irrelevant to what was going on there. He ran out and he chased away all that did not belong in that place. It was not a barnyard. It was not a marketplace. This was a house of worship. And yet they had taken something that was truly a part of their worship and they had merchandised it and they had, they, they had so warped what God had given them that it didn't even resemble what he had originally given it to them for. And he had, they had made it not about him, but about them. How much money can I make today at, at, at the temple? And so they were, they, they were, instead of just exchanging money, uh, that was needed to bring the offerings that were their, their responsibility, they were adding a tax to it. And, and instead of just offering a lamb, and it was not uncommon for them to have sacrifices available, but what was not pleasing to God is, that they had they had made it a means of making some extra money and and they they had made it a, 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 an economic enterprise rather than a spiritual experience and so he ran that out he he put that out of of the temple and he said there was in this place the kind of behavior that will not bring the blessings of the lord and they had exploited the people, they had exploited the needs of the people, and they had made it convenient to come to church, and because of that, it had lost its significance. Now, another thing about this, all of this was where this took place. This took place in the outer court, which was the court of the Gentiles. And it was considered that, because it was where anybody could come, no matter their race, creed, or whatever, they could come in to experience God in some way. And maybe, perhaps, they thought that because it was the court of the Gentiles, it didn't matter what we did here. What really matters is what goes on behind that curtain in the Holy of Holies. But he said, I want to tell you, everything about my house, everything about this place is important to me. And I, I, I want to emphasize tonight, church, that every play, everything about this place, not just this place where we are right now, but that parking lot out there and, and, and the drive through and the Sunday school class, as far as I'm concerned, and I believe as far as God is concerned, they are important to him as well. He is just as concerned about what goes on on the parking lot as he is inside this sanctuary. I've seen people that could talk in tongues for an hour in the sanctuary and then go use another language out there on the parking lot. I'm not saying we have. I'm not saying we have. I'm just saying that if we're not careful, we can dissect our life and we can cut it up and say, well, you know, as long as, you know, that's the parking lot or that's uh, that that's the foyer. You know what? I want to be the kind of person that when I when I drive off of 528, 
I realize I'm driving into holy ground. Now, you may not view that that way, but I view it that way, that this is God's territory. First of all, we wouldn't even have it if it hadn't been for God, and we still wouldn't have it if it hadn't been for the Lord. It's not because of anything that we've done. It's been because of what He's done. And because of that, as far as I'm concerned, what goes on on the playground or in the Sunday school class or in the sanctuary, all of that is important to God and I need to make sure that I'm not just a Christian in here but I'm one outside here too that I don't just show a happy face in here and then walk outside and kick the dog and and, and run over the cat Amen there are some things that don't belong in this house One of them, listen to me, one of them is an attitude of negligence or carelessness or sloppiness. Amen. We should never allow ourselves to have an attitude that it really doesn't matter just as long as I show up. I want to show up with my very best. Amen. I want to show up and do my very best because this is not about me anyway. This is about him. And so there is, there, there's some things that do not belong on this property. I don't want them a part of this property. And one of them is an attitude of carelessness or sloppiness that it really doesn't matter. You know, you ought to be thankful that I got through traffic and got to church. Hey, you're not doing this for me. And I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing it for Him. First of all, and most important of all, He is the reason and the priority for everything we do. And so I'm not coming in here looking for a shortcut. I'm not trying to find a way to weasel out of my 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 part that I should play. I want to come into this place with an attitude of excellence on my mind at all times. I want us to put our best foot forward. I want us to always have the right attitude and the right spirit. But I don't ever want to allow myself to get to the place where I think, well, you know, it's just Wednesday night. It won't matter. I'll just do, I'll go to the internet and find me a sermon to preach. I'm not interested in that. And I'm not condemning somebody that does that. I'm just saying I'm not interested in that. I want God to know when we come in here that there's something about Him that is more important than anything else that I've done in my life, more important than anything else I've done today. That's why I need to turn everything off, get my mind on Him, get my thoughts on Him, forget about your bills, forget about what's troubling you at home, forget about what you got to go back to on the job tomorrow. And focus on Him. And I promise you, church, if you'll start doing that, God will take care of what's out there that you're going to have to face tomorrow. Another thing that does not belong in the house of God is a spirit of laziness. Offering just any kind of sacrifice. Well, you know... Sunday, if if this was Sunday, man, I could get with it. But this is Wednesday. I'm not. I'm not saying that your demonstration is 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 showing a level of your 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 spirituality. But what I am saying is. 
that if you and I are not careful, we can, we, we can discount a day or we could think, well, nothing good's going to happen. We're, we're kind of like those who said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Well, I'm telling you something good can come out of Nazareth. And something good can happen on a dead, dry, dull Wednesday night. Or just one of those ordinary Thursdays. You, you, you never can discount what God can do on any given day. And so we should never live with an attitude of laziness. I want to tell you another thing that doesn't belong here, and that's a spirit of entitlement. That we own this. We don't own anything. He owns it all. Now I know we talk about my church, our church, and we ought to have ownership, but the truth is He's the one that died for this church. And if you don't think it matters to Him, Go back to Calvary and just listen to the blood that's dripping down and look at the stain on the stones and the dirt around the cross of the blood that's there and then ask yourself, does this really matter? I'm here to tell you it does matter and everything that you and I do has got to matter but this is not mine. It's not mine to own. It's not mine to sell. This is His and I'm here to tell you that everything we do, we're not doing it so somebody will put a feather in our hat and say, oh my, look what they did. I want them to say, look what the Lord has done. (laughs) I want people scratching their heads saying, how in the world did that happen? Amen. Another thing that we don't need here is self-centeredness. We don't need church to be about me. I said this Sunday, I need to reemphasize it again. We need to become more conscious of the body than we are of just our individual needs. And when we become conscious of the body, when you minister to the body, the whole man and all you're worried about is blessed. Amen. But if you come in and all you're worried about is that little toe or that little pinky, you're, you're not going to be blessed by focusing on one, one item. You, you're going to be blessed. The whole body winds up being blessed when we get our mind on others and when we serve others. So what is not needed in this place and what had become part of that temple project was that they had become self-centered and worship was all about them and their convenience. And the reason this had become acceptable was that they were too lazy to do what they ought to have done and they didn't think it really mattered. And the Lord came in there and turned all that over and He said, I want to tell you, it still matters to me. Amen. It still matters to me. Purity, church, is still a priority with God. And this is where it begins. It's not outdated. I don't care if people consider it old-fashioned. The Scripture still says, Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. That's not talking about just another world. That's not talking just about heaven. That's talking about right now. You and I will not see Him. We will not behold Him in His power and in His glory if we don't understand the connection between purity and holiness and God's presence. He said, be ye holy even 
For I am holy. That's what we should reach for. Not perfection. That's something God will work out in my life. But what I do need to be conscious of is that He is a holy God. And I want to maintain my life in a way that He will be pleased and He will be comfortable walking and talking with me. And I want to emphasize the importance of holiness in our life. It still matters to God. Amen. There were a lot of other things that he could have done, but the first thing he did was cleanse the house. Psalm 66 and 18 declares that if my heart is not clean, that he will not hear me when I pray. Amen. The first step to renewal and revival is purity. James 4 and 8 said, cleanse your hands and purify your hearts. 2 Corinthians 7 and 1 said, cleanse yourself of the filthiness of flesh and spirit. First Timothy 2 and 8 said we are to lift up holy hands without wrath or doubting. We need to be concerned about the, 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 the purity that is in our heart and in our life because it's important to Him. So the first thing He did was He cleansed the temple. He purified the place. The second thing was to establish the fact of what it had been set in order for. My house shall be called a house of prayer. Amen. There, This is what I got out of that today. There were wrong sounds emanating from that place. They needed to change the sound that was in the house. Amen. In the place of the hawkers plying their goods and trying to make a profit should have been the sound of prayer. And you and I need to make sure always that the right sounds are coming out of this place. Amen. It's okay to fellowship. It's okay to have friends. It's okay to never forget that in life, But you and I need to make sure that we never forget that the most important business is His business first. Amen. Amen. We need to make sure that when we come in, this goes for everybody, greeters, ushers, people that just come and sit on the pew. It's great to fellowship, but the most important fellowship ought to be with Him first. And when we make that the priority, that makes our fellowship that much sweeter. But we can have fellowship with one another and not have fellowship with Him. And there's no good that will come out of that. But when we make it a priority to make this a house of prayer, it's okay to do those other things. But they need to be in their time. What I want the Lord to hear coming from this place is the right sound. I want it to be a sound of prayer that ushers up into the presence of the Lord a cry that God is welcome and we invite Him to move and operate in this place. In Isaiah 56 and 7 where the Lord drew that scripture from, it also says that this is a house of prayer for all people. It is interesting to note that in that time, the temple had been defiled, that the foreigner was not welcome there. The person who was different than them was not welcome there. 
And I want you to know that this house has always got to be a house with an open door that no matter what your color or your race or your creed or your financial status or where you are in life, when you walk through those doors, you're always welcome here because this is his house. Amen. And so he removed the impediment and he restored its purpose Prayer is still a priority, not a preference with God. Some people say, I don't know how to pray. You better learn how to pray because you can't afford not to pray. Number three, the the third thing that happened is that miracles started taking place. And so the third thing that I want to underscore is power. First, there was purity. Second, there was prayer. Third, There was power. After the purifying and the prayer came the power. Miracles and ministry to people's needs take place when that atmosphere has been properly taken care of. You don't have to work it up. You don't have to make it happen. It will automatically be an outcome of those priorities that you set in place. And church, I'm just here to tell you, we don't have to beg God for miracles. We don't have to plead for God to do these things. If we will make purity a priority in our life and prayer a priority in our life, the power is going to follow. There's going to be an anointing that will break the yoke. There will be an anointing that will destroy the yoke. Years ago, there was a, couple that traveled the country doing ministry and one day the pastor of the church they were preaching at came in and 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 caught them (laughs) practicing tongues and interpretation and that he he kind of stood in the background uh, they didn't know he was in there they were telling about how they were going to do it because they thought that's how you produce revival. I'm just here to tell you, you don't have to practice. You don't have to, have to uh, you know, well, you do your part, you do your part. and You don't have to make it happen. If you just do the right things, it's going to happen. This is not dependent on how well I preach a sermon. Do you understand that he's heard angels sing and he has heard other things that of greater power than me. So it's not about how well I deliver a sermon. It's whether or not I've understood the priority of the things that matter to him. And when I do the things that matter to him, he's going to do the things that matter to me. He's going to heal. He's going to deliver. He's going to answer prayer. He's going to come through. When I set my life in the order in which he has established, good things are going to happen. Grew up with a young girl in our home church that was probably the most awkward woman, young lady, whatever you could imagine. She was a misfit. She had four left feet, not just two. She was clumsy. She was awkward. Uh, she was homely. And uh, all of those things that you could imagine. And uh, one one youth service, the youth pastor asked her to sing a special. for. The, and back then, youth service was on Friday night. Everybody came. It was like regular church. Nobody missed. And I remember when they announced that this girl was going to sing 
there was a snicker that went through the whole church. It was like, oh, this is going to be fun. And I, I will never forget when that young lady stepped up and she opened her mouth and very nervously began to sing. And the sweetest anointing settled down on her and it was as if some kind of angelic help came. And that voice that no one thought could bring glory to God began to glorify the Lord and it wasn't long before tears started flowing down people's face and the Holy Ghost began to move in that place. And somewhere between the time she was asked to and the time she did it, she had found a place to pray and she had connected to what really mattered. You know, I like singing. I love, I wish I could sing. I, I really do because I sing really loud. My dad always taught me if you can't sing good, just sing loud. I wish I could play, but I, 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 I can't do that either. But I am here to tell you whether you can play or not, there should be something that comes out of your inner being that is, is for him and him alone. And it's not for my glory. It's not for you to be entertained by. This is for him to be lifted up and exalted. And I want harmony and I love the beauty of a good voice. But I'm here to tell you, you can have all of that and not have what really matters. And it's a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. What we need is a spirit that has been baptized with a desire to be right before Him. I want my heart to be clean. I want to saturate my life with prayer so that when I step into this arena, there's an anointing that comes and there's a power that begins to flow that defies logic and it defies reason and miracles happen and people's lives are healed and people are delivered, not because of something that I did, but because He is pleased with what's going on in this house. Amen. So we need power. There's got to be power in this place over spirits and issues and problems Power in our altars. I want to see a breakthrough in our altars. But power that is a result of purifying and prayer, not of just practice and performance. Amen. Power always comes when purity and prayer become priorities. Amen. It's going to happen. I'm a living witness to that. You know, everybody loved me when I evangelized, and they didn't love me because I was a great preacher. They loved me because I never did preach very long, about 10 or 15 minutes. That's why I got invited so many places. It didn't have anything to do with... I, I, I've gone over some old notes that I've had, and I've thought, oh, Lord, did I really? Amen. But you know what I learned a long time ago? If you quit making it about you, God's a whole lot more free to bless than he is if you try to get up and outperform the last person that was up there. I learned a long time ago, I'm never going to outpreach anybody. I'm never going to outsing anybody. But I'm not doing it to out anybody. I'm doing it to lift someone. I'm doing it to exalt him. And when we make that a priority in our life, something is going to happen. The fourth thing, the last thing that happened 
was praise began to erupt from that place. Hallelujah began to to reverberate through that place. It was a spontaneous praise. Now, I'm going to mess with you a little bit right now, and I'm not trying to... To, 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 to cause a problem or, 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 you know, irritate any of you for this. But, but I believe we have it wrong. I, I believe that we think that praise is what does it all. And really, it's the reverse of all of that. When you have cleansed your heart, when you've repented and you've asked God to make sure that there's nothing there that shouldn't be there and you prayed and His power begins to operate, praise is a byproduct of those things. Now, I've seen praise otherwise. I've seen praise be nothing more than the human emotion that have been stirred by hearing the right chord or hear, having the right beat and, and the right rhythm of a song. And if you, if you sing it fast enough and long enough, you're going to have a breakthrough somewhere. And, 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 and the reality is that our praise ought to be the outcome of what's already been going on on the inside and in our spirit. I believe that when we put the, the, the order of things right, purify my heart, pray like I need to pray, the power of God is going to be present and out of that's going to come a spontaneous praise that cannot be shut up. It cannot be shut down. Even when the Pharisee said, hey, Lord, do you see what they're doing? He said, yeah, I see. But don't you know what the scripture says? Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, I've ordained strength. Praise is the byproduct of purity, prayer, and power. Amen. And when we keep it in that order, I believe great things happen. This should always be a house of praise. Not a house of complaint. Not a house of criticism. Not a house of backbiting, not a house of grumbling, not a house of fault finding. None of us have made it yet. Amen. Some of you must think you're close, but I'm just telling you, you haven't made it yet. This needs to be a house of praise, not only to him, but you need to learn how to praise your brother or your sister. It doesn't hurt you to lift them up a little bit. That doesn't put you down. Amen. Amen. And I'm closing. Here, I believe in this text are the marks of a healthy church. That's what I want. I, I'm, not as, I'm not interested in having a large church as much as I am in having a healthy church. I'd love to have a larger church. I want to have a... I believe God's growing our church, but I, I'm not interested in that. I believe that's a byproduct, that when we make... When, when we keep a, a healthy environment and we keep the attitude right, and we keep away from us things that don't belong here, and we pursue the things that matter to Him, I believe that there is an outcome of health that produces great things. Amen. You can go talk to the roses all you want to, but they're not going to grow if you don't create an environment for them to grow in. 
And we can talk church all we want to talk. But if there's not a healthy environment for that to happen in, all that we wind up with is a lot of strife and bickering. I don't want that. We've never had that around Greater Life Church in the 25 years I've been here. We've never had that. Now, we've had disagreements and we've had differences of opinion. And sometimes those opinions have been voiced. But it's never been allowed to disintegrate into you against me. And the great part about it is that if it ever gets to that place, we're going to have a good old-fashioned Holy Ghost altar call and we're going to all pray through and get our priorities right because it's really still about Him. It's not about me. Amen. We must never become comfortable with nominal church and feeling like we've done God a service by coming and showing up. And I certainly do not want to be numbed by compromise of my own spirit because I'm not willing to look at what matters to Him. God will not fill this place. You hear me. God will not fill this place because of our organization. He will not fill this place because of our skills or our gifts or our talent or our presentation. He will fill this when we honor Him and when we make priorities in our life that are priorities to Him. A clean heart, an attitude of prayer, the power of God that becomes a part of that atmosphere and the praise that naturally flows out of God doing these things because the purpose is aligned with His purpose. Great things are going to happen. We must create at Greater Life Church a place that is so special that He desires to dwell here and minister here in this place. And we need to wake up to what is right and what matters to Him and what pleases Him and forget about all this other riffraff. You know, it's amazing to me when I read this book. They didn't have a keyboard. The New Testament church didn't have a PA system. They didn't have a keyboard. They didn't have an iPad. (laughs) They didn't have all of the things that we have at our disposal. I'm not against. I'm very much thankful that we have all those. They didn't have any of that. And yet the Bible says these are they that have turned the world upside down. They didn't turn it upside down by their abilities. They didn't turn it upside down because they were so organized. They didn't turn it upside down because they were so gifted. They turned it upside down because the priorities of things that were important to God were the priorities that were important to them. And they purified their heart and they prayed. And when they did those things, God's power came down and moved in situations where an entire community was turned to God because somebody felt like it was important to do these things. Amen. I've lived long enough to know this. You can learn how to do church and you can do it without God. You can. I've had preachers say, I can preach with the anointing or without it. I don't even want to come close to that one. I don't ever want to come close to the place 
that I can be, I, I can feel good when we don't have a move of God in our services. Amen. I'm hungry. I want something to happen every time we come together. I believe God wants something to happen every time we come together. Good things are going to happen when the things that are a priority to Him become a priority to us. Stand with me. I want you to say these four things with me. Purity. Prayer. Power. Praise. Those are the things that I believe are where real revival are found. Many want some of these without the others. That's a sad but true thing. People today want power and they love the praise part. But they don't want to have anything to do with the purity and the prayer part. But it takes all four of them. Because that was the atmosphere that he created. We've got to have all of them. I don't want to have just a powerful presentation. And I don't want to have just a a great praise team. I want there to be an anointing. And I'm glad that there is an anointing upon our praise team. And we're not... We're not going to ever want to get away from that. We're not going to get away from this. If the Lord helps me to be around here long enough to to pastor it that long. And I don't think we're going that way. But what I'm here to tell you is that when we make His priority our priority, whatever anybody else thinks, well, that's not going to grow a church. I'm going to tell you what I figured out a long time ago. There's none of us really know how to grow a church. He's the one that knows how to grow it. And if we'll get it, just just align ourselves with Him. Amen. Great things are going to happen. Revival's going to come. We've got to have all four of them to be a healthy, vibrant church. And I want this to be a place that He is pleased to dwell in. That when we come together, whether there's a Wednesday night or a Sunday or a Saturday or a Monday, we need to make it possible that settles in this place. And there's a ministry. Amen. We need to make it possible for everyone to worship in this place. And I don't want anything going on here that would hinder His will being done. Amen. If we will attend to the things that matter to Him, He will attend to the things that matter to us. I believe that. And so tonight I think it's important that we ask ourselves, is this pleasing to Him? What we're doing? If it's not, then let's find what it is and let's do it. Is anything missing? And if there's something there that doesn't need to be there, drive it out. I, I will, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I had to drive something out of my heart this afternoon that I don't want there. I, I don't want it connected to me. I don't want that attitude. I don't want that spirit. Because I know how subtle those things are. And they can get you puffed up. And they can get you filled with pride and thinking you're somebody. And and you can do it. And the reality is you can't do it. Amen. And so we have to constantly be there mindful. God, I want this to be an atmosphere where you're pleased to dwell. 
I want to make room for you to do what you do best. And that's heal and deliver and break yokes and free captives. Amen. Bless people. Is that what you hunger for? Let's pray right now. Lord, we hunger for your touch upon this place tonight. We need your anointing more than we need anything else. And we're not asking, Lord, for things that are impossible. We're, we're only asking for those things that you have told us that we could ask for. We need your cleansing. We need your power. We need your presence. We need your glory. Lord, let prayer be a priority in our life. Let it be a priority in all that we do, that we will saturate every effort around here with that spirit and attitude of prayer. And I believe, Lord, when we do that, something wonderful, something miraculous is going to happen. Things will become so that would not be so if it had not been for somebody praying and somebody interceding before the throne of grace. God, we want to be a place that you are pleased to dwell in. And we want you to reside in this this place, anointing, blessing, opening doors that no man can close and close doors that no man can open and pour out your spirit in this place like you have never poured it out before. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. Let it be so. Let it be so. Hallelujah.